0: Welcome to Before the Bestseller, where we talk with our favorite authors, entrepreneurs, and oftentimes, entrepreneurs about the exact steps and processes they used to build their brand, sell their books, and grow their businesses. I'm excited to have you on board for this episode. My name is Alex Rathi, fellow author and founder of AdvancedAmazonAds.com and PodPR.co. I hope that you're able to take away at least one new bit of knowledge or tactic from this episode that you can use to make a world of difference in your own journey. If you do find one, let me know what it was in a review and anything that we can do to make the show a more enjoyable listening experience. For access to our free Amazon advertising course, visit us at advancedamazonads.com before the bestseller. Ed Rush is a five-times best-selling author who knows what it's like to have a book in the top 20 books on all of Amazon. His books have sold tens of thousands of copies, and he's the master at converting readers into followers. But he's not just an author. Ed flew in his combat career as a decorated F-18 pilot, which included over 50 combat missions and two tours to Iraq. While in the Marines, Ed served as one of the country's leading instructors on aerial dogfighting and recently worked as a key player in the development of the new F-35 Joint Strike Fighter. He says he's done all of this despite possessing a below-average intelligence, which, whether or not that's true, everything he talks about is so actionable and accessible. With his book, The 21-Day Miracle, he knows what it takes to make Amazon happy, from back-end keywords to product optimization. He woke up to hundreds of organic sales from Amazon promoting him, and if I hadn't seen the sales with my own eyes, I probably wouldn't believe it, so I had to ask him about how he pulled that off. Ed is an implementer and has such a unique approach to getting things done. We talk about how he changes anything in just 21 days, from fasting to how he even wrote the 21 day miracle in 21 days. It is my absolute pleasure to talk with Ed Rush.
1: Ed, thanks so much for taking the time to come on. Alex, what's up, man? Hey, it's an honor to be here. I have to just say, I, before we even start, I got this amazing uh, letter from you in the mail. We're on, if you're listening on audio, I'm holding this card up in the mail. This is an actual note made with actual paper, written with an actual pen. And this is rare these days to get these. I have this huge stack of thank you notes. I love sending out real thank you notes. So I just want to say just to honor you, my friend, and just to say thank you for doing something that nobody else does. He sent me this cool thank you note. We started working together uh, promoting my book just a couple weeks ago. So you are the man. It's honored honor to be here with you, buddy.
0: Ed, likewise, glad you're a fellow fan of the paper. I, I think it's like one of the easiest things anyone can do, but clearly it's probably just one of the reasons why you've seen the success that you have is because you send them out yourself.
1: It takes, by the way, I, I timed it once. I wrote uh, about 10 thank you to know, some clients and stuff. It takes a minute and 30, it, makes, it takes a minute to write it and 30 seconds to put the address on. It's a minute and 30 seconds for a massive impact. So uh, I'm not a big fan of like the handwriting fonts, like write it with your own hand, even though like, Alex's handwriting's like mine. You can probably oh, read it, but it's, it's, but it it's like so bad. It's still like nice to get it from in the mail. So anyway, that's all. Thanks, man. I appreciate it.
0: No, that's that's a great tangent. I always like let's start it off childhood story that made you who you are today.
1: Oh my gosh! So a story that maybe me, I mean the best place to start is in kindergarten, uh, and I promise I won't you know take ten minutes per grade all the way here. But I failed <laughs> kindergarten, uh, uh, and I did I did it twice. <clears throat> which, um, as you know, kindergarten is the most basic subject in the world. We're talking about, like, stacking blocks. You know what I mean? Don't eat the glue. Uh, <laughs> basic stuff in kindergarten. And I re- I went to St. Matthias uh, Catholic School in Pennsylvania, right outside of Philly, and I was so bad that the nuns, like, pulled my mom aside and they were like, he has to do this again. He's so bad. Uh, and um, that really set the trajectory for my life. What I realized right then was... I wasn't going to be able to pull this off based on skill or intellect. I was going to be able to do this based on following successful people. And I, I did that from early early on. It was really interesting. I just knew I wasn't going to be able to like figure it out. And so I just found successful people and patterned my life. After that, I managed to graduate from kindergarten and ended up graduating unbelievably from college, getting into the Marine Corps, flying F-18s, which is what I uh, did for a lot of my life, ended up at Top Gun of all places, and, uh, you know, now I just love to speak and write books and share a message with the world, but it all started in kindergarten. Do the nuns know your success uh, of today? You know, I reached out to one. I actually had a, a uh, I went to another Catholic school after that. You know, after I uh, didn't do well in the first Catholic school, I guess my parents thought, well, let's try another one. Uh, and I had this teacher in second grade uh, whose name was Sister Maureen. It's amazing what happens when someone will believe in you. Uh, I went from being, really like the class clown, sort of always getting bad grades. And I had this teacher who, for for whatever reason, she just thought that I was smart. And it was amazing because when somebody thinks you're smart, you become smart. It's the craziest thing. And that changed the the trajectory completely of my life. Uh, And it was really a lot of success after that, but it had a lot to do with a single uh, sister of mercy, (laughs) you know, none. That's back when they wore like the full habit with the Headdress and everything—just someone who believed in me—and I ended up uh, having a chapter in someone's book where they wrote about influential teachers, and I t- talked about her.
0: Wow, that is that is so cool! And I know you talk about how you've learned from a lot of people, especially when you're in down in Pensacola. and You learned about the Strategic Sprint, which I definitely want to talk about at some point. Um, who were you a year? You know, I know you've written five best-selling books. Obviously, Twenty-One Day Miracle is the most successful one—crazy successful. Twenty, I think it was number. You said twenty-two. Uh, on Amazon. Uh, So that's a huge, huge number to hit. And so I want to spend most of our time there, but I'm sure there is many things you learned along the way. Who were you a year before you wrote 21 day miracle?
1: Oh man. You know, it's interesting. Every book that I've written reflects the moment in time in my life when I was there. And, uh, and I love that question because that book really, I wrote five books, as you mentioned, I'm actually working on my sixth book right now. That book, so greatly eclipsed the result of any other book that I wrote. And um and all the books were successful. They were all best-selling books in their category. But that book, I mean, like you said, it was the number 120. It was the number 22 book, not in its category, over all books. In Amazon. Amazon at one point. I actually woke up in the morning and it was there. I, 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 had, I hadn't sent an email out. I didn't promote it on social media that day. It was just Amazon's jet stream, man. All of a sudden, they must have just promoted the book. And all of a sudden, it just totally took off. But, you know, a year before, I was the guy ready to write a book about the 21-day journey. I had just completed. Uh, So one of the things I did was I went on a 21-day fast. I didn't eat any food. I only drank water and sparkling water for 21 straight days. And then right after that, like maybe a year after that, I went on a 21-day media fast. I literally disappeared into the woods for 21 days. I I sent my phone to my assistant. Uh, And I just basically went on like a retreat from the world and it was unbelievable. And what I realized, the change that occurred in 21 days of not eating and then 21 days of being in the wilderness set the foundation for this idea of this 21-day miracle, the idea that you can change almost anything. And what I teach in the book, as you know, because you read it, isn't as extreme as like not eating. It's really just... Sometimes it's a different way to think for 21 days, or it's a different way to act for 21 days, or a different way to move your body for 21 days, or like you know, uh, just one change that you want to make. So yeah, the a year before, I was the guy who was actually implementing the things that I was writing a year later, and that's actually really important. You want to learn from people who are who have been there, done that, and still doing it, right? So you want to learn from people who are experimenting and like trying new things. And so when you read my books, the funny thing about my books is, people will read my latest book. And then they'll email me and they'll say, Hey, Ed, I, uh, I'm going to go read all your other books because you know, that last one was so great. And I almost like apologize for the, for the next book. I'm like, look, uh, you know, those last books weren't nearly as good because each book was so much like, it's almost like the the books were logarithmically better. Like my first book to my third book was like three times better. And my third book to my fifth book was like 10 times better or whatever, however logarithms work. like it's so, so much better. So I'm like, you should probably shouldn't read the other one. Just stick with the good one, <laughs> uh, you know, because it's so much better. And I'm sure this next book that I'm writing will be so much better than the previous one that I'll be like, just read the, that one, you know? So, so the question about a year before is amazing because what it is, is it expresses the journey uh, 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 like of an author. This is crazy, by the way. This is the reason why um, like our culture right now has this idea that you should go back 20 years and like blame someone now for something (laughs) they did 20 years ago. And you're like, do you know how, you know how much a a, a human being can change in a year, Yeah. much less 20 years? Like, like we've, uh, we change and grow and any person who is like working on themselves, man, the way I thought five years ago is so different. Like I would be in a room right now with myself from five years ago, arguing with my dumb self from five years ago. And I'm sure it'll be like that five years from now. So like a little tangent there, but I mean, it's just such a cool question about a year ago. Yeah, that's where I was.
0: No, that's, that's absolutely wonderful. And I also love that imagery of, yeah, like, you know, however old you are, that many years, versions of yourself all in a room arguing about, you know, perspectives on life. So that's hilarious. Um, Walk me through. I know, you know, I listened a little bit to, uh, to your podcast. I don't know if it's still an active one, but you've got some really great stuff on there. Um, Is it, are you still doing the podcast?
1: Yeah, I just I, so I'm like a little bit of a, as you may have gathered from reading Twenty One Day Miracle, I'm a sprinter, you know, uh, and and a rester. So when I'm preparing for something, which is what I'm preparing for right now, I can shut down completely. So I haven't done a live stream for months. I haven't done a a, a, a podcast for months. I haven't even sent an email out to my list. Which, by the way, my list ex- kind of expects that I'll do like an email a week <laughs> for a year and then sort of disappear for like six months. And and to be yeah. fully transparent. I told my followers, like, hey, I'm going to go away that. for a little while because yeah. I practice what I preach. Like, I love the idea of solitude. I love the idea of just being giving yourself thinking space. I spend a lot of time thinking and praying and reading and meditating and really working on the way that I think. And that oftentimes takes me off of media. A lot of times it takes me off of social media. I'm, and I'm talking like years at a time. I'll be on Instagram, post every day, boom, 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 boom. And then I'll disappear for a year. And my, my list has gotten used to that. And part of that, Alex, is is me practicing what I preach. We are a, a culture that is obsessed with being connected. Like 200 years ago, being connected meant being connected to your family and probably to your neighbors and maybe, just maybe, to the people in your town. That was basically it. Like if something happened across the world, you might find out about it maybe three years later, right? And now we're so obsessively connected to the news and every moment. And what makes it worse, worse, of course, is like it's impossible to tell now. It's it's a very strange paradigm. Like in the olden days, if something happened and you found out about it three years later, you're pretty sure that was like what happened. Now we find out about it three seconds later, and it takes months to figure out if what you were told was true or not. Because you got to filter through all like the BS that happen, that comes across the airways on all sides of the political spectrum. So the interesting thing is, so like what I like to do is to completely disconnect go on long time news fast or media fast and be able to slow down long enough to like reconnect with my thoughts, reconnect spiritually, and just all of a sudden come up with new ideas. And I'll tell you the cool thing about that, I have this thing that I call the wisdom pyramid, which I'm not going to teach. What I can just tell you is there's levels of information in today's world. Bottom level, by the way, is just reaction where most people live, just like reacting to things that are around them. Next level up is data. The next level behind that is knowledge, which is what you do with the data. And then the layer above that is wisdom. And above that, by the way, the top is divine wisdom. But when you get into those top regions, you're putting in just a tiny little bit of effort and getting a massive result. Uh, And I like to operate up up there where I'm I'm just putting a little bit in, just a tiny little input and achieving a massive result, whether that's business or money or relationships or health or fitness or whatever. Uh, And to do that requires a lot of time. Yeah. So I haven't been on my pod. I, I think I, it's crazy. Like I did a podcast where I said I'm back. And then that was my last podcast for like six months. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of ironic it. actually when you think about it, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, no, I and then you know, you, you sell it that way too. Like once uh, I went to your website right before this and you know, on your email list, it's like sign up for your flight brief. And it's, you know, you say it's not more than you need. It's exactly just what's pertinent information to you at the time. Um, which is awesome. Cause that's like, you know, I, I work with a lot of marketers, a lot of people who write books, and everyone's like, "Email us this, email us that," and you're the only one that is saying this. And usually, when you find that one person who's saying something different, it's usually something to take note to. Um, you well, know, the reason why? Oh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, it's just just to, to kind of layer on top of that because you work with authors. One of the most common questions I'm sure you get. I know it's one of the most common questions I get. I've helped over a thousand people. I think the number is 1,017 people be, write, publish their book and become best selling yeah, authors, which is awesome. a lot. And the number one question I get is how long should my book be? And my answer is it should be exactly as long as your book is supposed to be. Like maybe your book is supposed to be twenty five pages, and maybe your book is supposed to be a thousand pages or something. Like, like, uh, do you remember the movie um, Amadeus? Mozart gets done playing this piece in front of the King of Prussia, and the King he he looks at the King and he says, "So what did you think?" And the King said, "Well, I think it had too many notes." And Mozart said. Uh, very poignantly, it had neither too many nor too few. It had just the right amount. Well, of course he was right. He was Mozart after all. And I always tell people when it comes to books, you write just the right amount, neither too much nor too few. And sometimes like this first book I wrote is what I call my 50 page book jammed into 98 pages. I'm talking like big font and stuff. I had 50 pages to write. My, my biggest book is 288 pages I wrote in seven days. I had 288 pages to write. So I was tell authors, write what you have, whether whether it's 20 pages or a thousand pages, write what you have because that's what you have to deliver to the world at that moment, you know?
0: Yeah, I think you tell that story in the front of your book as well. You talk about how you get right to the point uh, with yours. Uh, one of the things I want to chat about from that podcast is, you know, you talk about, I think it was like how to quickly publish your book or something like that. You talk about like the title, like a bunch of your different main points, like title, the cover. Yeah. You, know, you have yourself on your cover, which I know is like, some people say, put yourself on the cover. Some people say, don't put yourself on the cover. I, I know you're a fan of using the how-to uh, for the subtitle, the title that sells sells books. Tell me a little bit about like what is the Ed Rush perfect, perfect formula for, for putting together a book?
1: Yeah, such a good question. So the first thing is, let's go to the title, subtitle, cover because you're, you're told as authors um, that you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. But the reason why everybody says that is because everyone judges a book by its cover. Most people will never move past a cover. Like, for example, you and I have both done this before where we scroll through books on Amazon or you see a book and then underneath of it, it says, you know, readers also read these books here. Well, if you and I are like everyone else, you'll look through the books. You're not going to look in the book. You're going to look through the books. You're going to look at the cover. And so the first thing I always tell people is everyone's going to judge your book by its cover so you might as well make sure that they know on the front cover why they should read your book, right? So like if you unpack some of the greatest uh, nonfiction titles ever or books ever, for example, if you have a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People, well, if you handed that book to a friend, they would look at the cover and they would not look at you and go, well, what's this book about? It's obvious. It's about how to win friends and influence (laughs) people, right? If you handed someone a book, That said, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, they would know immediately what that book was about. But if you handed someone a book that said, The Elephant is Yellow, they would immediately look at you and say, Well, what is this book about? And so you never, the first thing is, you should never have someone look at your book and ask the question, What is this book about? It should be apparent on the title. So let me give you an example. The book that I have in my hands is my latest book. It's called The 21 Day Miracle. Right here, the subtitle says, How to Change anything in three short weeks. If I handed someone that book, they would go 21 Day Miracle, How to Change Anything in Three Short Weeks. It would be very apparent what my book was about. So the first thing is your book should, the promise, the big promise of the book should be on the front cover. If not in the title, then in the subtitle. So for example, um, I've got a book, my um, longest book is a book called Warrior. I'm holding it in my hands if you're watching on video. If you're not, don't worry about it. We'll just tell you what it says in the cover. So this book is a spiritual book and the, Subtitle is understanding the furious love of the God who fights for you. No one would read that and not understand what the cover is all about. And so the point is: first of all, your big promise or the summary, if you will, or what the book is about, should be on the front of the book. The second thing to remember is that even though, like, for example, most of us look at our book like a inch away when we when we think about it, most people see your book as a tiny, teeny (laughs) thumbnail, like way in the corner of Amazon, and that. By the way, Amazon knows, hey, Ed's book gets this many people to click on it and buy, and John's book gets this many. They know that stuff. Like, you don't think a company like that knows their numbers. And so Amazon knows what books get clicked and what books get bought. So make your book clickable, okay? If that means your picture's on it, great. If it means your picture's on it, not. It doesn't matter. Like, make sure the cover is clean. Make sure that it's well um, um, uh, designed. Like. If you're going to spend money on a book, you might as well spend money on the thing that means the most, which is the cover, right? It's amazing. Someone will spend like a year writing a book and then they'll go El Cheapo, like Fiverr, like $20 design for their book that looks like it was designed by yeah. a $20 designer. Like I like spending more like $500 to $700 on a beautifully created design by a team of designers that really know what they're talking about and what they're doing. And by the way, my favorite, I don't know what you use, my favorite resource for that is something called 99designs. It's, it's not cheap. But you'll get hundreds of people competing to try to create a beautiful book cover for you, okay? So, the first thing is that it should be, you should know what the book's about, just about the title. Number two, it should be uh, very, very clickable. And number three, and this is the next, this is it, this is it right here, is the title should be sufficient to get someone to turn to the beginning of the book. That's it, okay? You just want someone to open up the book and start reading. Okay, now, this last little tip is a bonus. Most people will never open the book. but If you get someone to open the book, most people will never read the book. The key to getting someone to read a book is to grab their attention in the beginning of the book. Most authors spend the first five to seven pages in meaningless content that doesn't help them get someone to read the book. So for example, a lot of people put a lot of endorsements in the beginning of their book. Here's all the amazing things that these famous people said about me, and honestly, no one cares. If you want endorsements, that's great. Put those way in the back, okay? Here's another thing they'll do. They'll put a bunch of matter in the front, like a bunch of links to a bunch of things or a bunch, you know, you could do that at one page if you want, but they'll have a lot of like, like preamble stuff, or they'll have like, I want to thank my editor, Phil. And I would also like, to thank my, <laughs> like, like, forget, I thank people don't worry, but I do that sure. at the very end. Here's yeah. what I do. I have a concept that I call the first pitch home run. Okay. Now you're a baseball fan, you know what a first pitch home run, even if you're not a baseball fan, you know what a first pitch home run is. It's when you walk out there, you stand up at the plate, the pitcher throws a first pitch and the very first pitch of the very first at bat of the game or the very first inning of of the game, you hit a home run and the crowd goes crazy. Okay. That is a first pitch home run. That's what your book ought to do. You need to come out and grab your reader by their eyeballs and bring them into your book. And I will tell you, if you read 21 Day Miracle, which you absolutely should, you will see that I do that in the very first page, okay? So here's the first page right here. The t- The title of this chapter is How to Get Anything You Want, which is a pretty kick-ass way to open up a book, and then it goes like this. I'll just do the first two paragraphs, three paragraphs. Do you wanna know the biggest lie in personal growth, the tortoise and the hare? You've been told that slow and steady wins the race, and you've been told that persistence and consistency create champions. They don't. That's because in real life, the rabbit always wins. That's the opening of the book. And it takes a commonly held, albeit completely BS, uh, personal development belief, the tortoise always wins, which is a joke, and it flips its on its head, and people go like this. When they read that, they go, Wow, well, this is gonna be different, and that's what I want them to do. So the first chapter is designed really like almost like a sales letter for the book. It's designed to get someone in to be like, I'm really, I'm definitely gonna read this, and then you're off and running into the races. So Great cover, great intro to your book, and the rest should be easy after that. Once you do that really well,
0: no, that's that. There's some awesome points. I can't wait back. I can't wait to go back and list those out in some posts and even in the <laughs> show notes. No, show notes for this man, like because that, that was just so actionable. And Richard Branson or uh, Russell Brunson, sorry, the one, Russell Brunson talks a lot actually about about something you spoke about, which is you know being able to shift someone's mindset. Like you say something that kind of gets their attention, like the tortoise and the hare, and you like flip it and say it differently. And all of a sudden people are like, oh, wow, like, okay, they have my attention. No one's ever, you know, said it this way before. Tell me a little bit about the launch of your book. You said that Amazon just took it and ran with it. That's like the golden dream. Everyone hopes that happens with their book. Um, you know, I think there's a lot that goes into it on the back end. I think there's a lot of knowing what the timely message is, knowing who you're writing it for. Um, you know, not, I don't think there's anything such thing as you know, just a miracle when it comes to Amazon. But what did your book launch look like? And how did you get to 453 reviews where it currently stands, which is just uh-huh. a, a yeah. absurdly great?
1: Yeah, yeah. So 453 reviews and seven uh, percent one star reviews. <clears throat> so um, <laughs> the only reason I, jo- I joke about that because as an author, uh, you have to be okay. So here, let me just. I'm going to unpack that joke, please, and then I'm going to answer, please, answer please. your question. Yep. Um, if you want to have a very successful book, you need to be okay with with some one star reviews. I will always tell people, zero one star reviews me, means you didn't write a very good book because the book should be good enough to like move people a little bit. And when it moves people a little bit, you're going to have some people who disagree with you. And by the way, some people are going to disagree with something that you didn't say. Like I would say at least a third of my bad reviews are people saying that guy said this and I'm like I didn't say that like was he reading reading, reading? like Maybe they read a different book and like blamed me or something, right? So, okay. But you need to be able to get over that. And I will always tell people the, the, the right number, and the, this sounds crazy, the right number is someplace between five and 12%. If you don't have at least 5% one-star reviews and at least, and, and no more than 12%, you're not even in the zone because you haven't really pushed the limit. And I'll tell you, I have some books that have like 27 five-star reviews and no other reviews in that. Well, that's like not, it didn't like push the needle. Yeah, right? So 450, and by the way, if you want to look, look at the most famous books of all time. And you look and see how many one stars you'd be like, Ed is right about that. Crazy. Look, win friends and influence people. Somehow, somebody somewhere thought that wasn't a book. Good book. Like who is that person? And what were they thinking? All right. So anyway, that was, that's the joke. Now back to that. the launch, the, the launch process. Um, so with this particular book, uh, what ended up happening was something that I have never, I didn't, I didn't create, in any way, like I I didn't like reverse engineer anything. Now I figured it, I figured it out as I went and I did reverse engineer it as I went, but truly this book delivered Amazon, something Amazon wanted and Amazon took it from there. Okay. So I self-published all my books, uh, primarily at first published all my books on Amazon and what ended up happening on Amazon. So I have a mailing list and I sent my list, you know, I sent my list. Hey, I got this new, I think I sent like one email. So hey, I got this new book sold you know, enough copies on the first day to hit hit the bestseller list in my category. And usually that's kind of about it. You know, some other sales come in here and there, but it's not like there's like, it's like gangbusters. So what happened on Amazon, which is really interesting is all of a sudden I would just see my sales, maybe 20 a day after that first launch, 20 a day, 20 a day, 20 a day, all of a sudden one day it spiked to 50 and then it would go down to like 35 a day, 35 a day. Then it would spike to like 75. Then it'd be like 50 a day, 50 a day. And then it would spike to 100. Then it'd be like 75 a day. Then it would spike to 300. And I would have like 200, 300 sales a day. Then it spiked to 1,000. And I was doing like 500 a day, 500 a day, 500. I'm like, what the heck? What I saw was preceding each bump, there was this little spike that happened. And just so you know, I wasn't like posting this on social media. I wasn't sending them out. This is all happening inside of Amazon. What I realized, what Amazon was doing, and I believe that this was happening internal to the algorithm. I don't think there was a person pushing the button on this. I believe it was just built into their system is what they have. And remember I said that Amazon knows like this little spot should get this many clicks. This place should get this many clicks. This book should, they know the numbers. They know it's below average, average, and above average. And my, my sense is when they have a book that's performing better in the spots, like if you've ever had a Kindle, you know, when you shut the Kindle down, it shows you some ads, right? Or unless you took the ads off, but. I know Amazon knows, okay, you know, every one out of every hundred times we show that someone will buy a book, right? Or whatever the number is, probably less than that. So Amazon knows the numbers. And when they get a book, that's like, wait a second, average is one of a hundred, but Ed's book's three out of a hundred. What Amazon's algorithm does is go, hey, let's show that some other places because Amazon's in the business of making money, right? So what I was seeing was Amazon all of a sudden starting to show this in places and I'm getting more sales. And I'm getting more sales for one reason, because I'm giving Amazon what they want. And what Amazon wants is more money. They want more people (laughs) to click buy now, right? So how do you do that? How do you create something that Amazon, that gives Amazon what they want? We'll go back to what I said earlier. First of all, create a compelling cover with a promise, a big, bold promise right on the front cover. Tell people what they're going to achieve in their life or their business or their fitness or whatever, their health or the relationships right on the cover, make your promise, make it very clear and, and make it so that people can see it. Even if it's tiny, even if it's like a mill- millimeter high, they can see it. So it's tiny because it's going to be all over Amazon and all different formats so that people can push it. And then once they get there, when they get to your page, make it so that it's easy for people to understand. They can see the inside of your book and maybe the first chapter. There's a description in there that like accurately describes the book and it's kind of interesting. Like, you know, there's some basics that come um, to, to, to like what's on Amazon. And then as far as I'm concerned, I like, you do this however you want to. I do not price my books like into the stratosphere. Look, a client, like if I get a single consulting client or coaching client, that person is anywhere from $18,000 all the way up to, like, I have one client who's going to end up paying me like one hundred twenty dollars to $140,000 this year, okay? So that's a lot for one person. So I'm not super concerned about, like, making an extra dollar twenty five on a book purchase. So I usually put my price at the low end on Kindle and at the low end on paperback. Why? Because I'm more interested in somebody buying my book and reading it and, and like, coming to one of my events than I am in, like, oh, gosh, I hope I can make, like, another dollar. Okay. So I bias my prices down just a little bit. That's just a strategy because I don't, I'm not like, look, I made a lot of money off this book. Don't get me wrong. I sold well over 30,000 copies, but I'm not super interested in the money because I know what it can create for me and my business. Understanding that a book, your book is, look, this is another topic, but I'll just say it this way. <laughs> it's not about your book. It's not, yeah. it's never about your book. Unless you want to be like JK Rowling, which would be cool, by the way, sure. if you did that. Most books are designed to create something else for you in your business or your life to give you speaking opportunities to get you more consulting clients to be able to give you more leads online to be able to connect you more with your Facebook phone whatever I to create to present yourself to the world as an expert on a specific topic to give yourself more credibility you know like there's a lot of reasons for a book other than the sales of the book and so if you give Amazon what they want create a brand a book promise that's big and bold and and hairy and audacious enough for people to click on a buy and then you price your book so that it's accessible for people who are like kind of on the fence you're going to be very successful on amazon and that was all done inside of their own system now i always tell people email your list to tell people about it on social media i like to time my launch so a lot of times what i'll do is i'll do like a kindle for like a week then i'll drop the paperback in there and then i'll drop the audible in there right so that at the very least you can like hey if you bought the Kindle version now, check it out. The Audible version, even though I have that stuff usually already, you know, I like to kind of spread those things out just a little bit because I'm not like, I'm usually not like, I don't have a publisher or anything like that could do however, however I want to, which is what I like. Okay. So, um, you know, Amazon's my publisher. Let me put it that way without an agreement. I just put my books there and we ha- we partner up on that stuff. So no, there you go.
0: That's great insights. And especially because people don't realize, but I mean, Amazon is becoming, I mean, it is the third largest search engine, right? People are going the same way people go to Google to have their problem solved. People are going to Amazon to have their problem solved in the form of a book. You know, 10% of those then want to take the next step with you. Right. And then those who read your book and implement it themselves become your raving fans. And obviously there's the, you know, 10, 10, 20%, that never end up reading the book. and, And that's just, you know, part of it. But one of the things I know you do so well is your conversions. I believe you have like a 30% conversion rate coming from your book. You know, I'm pulling up, uh, I've got your front cover right here, this free bonus page. Tell me about this bonus page. How does it convert so well?
1: Yeah. So, okay. So this is like one of my favorite little tips. So the number, by the way, is 25.7% of the people who buy my book end up on my email list. And the reason why is twofold. Number one, it's front and center. Literally, like if you go to my book on Amazon, which you should do, And you click on look inside in the Kindle version. You will see on the first page, there is no joke. There's a link. And you can click that link off Amazon's page, which is unbelievable. I always tell people, like, how would you like to get a link to your website on on Amazon? They're like, I would love to do that. Great. Put it in your book. (laughs) Like on page one (laughs) in your book. And literally, people look inside. There's a link that you can click on. I don't know why Amazon allows that, but they do. You can click on that link. Okay. So what I did was I created the book so that there was a, a journey that the, that the new um, reader could go on. And the journey included my outside of the book resources. Let me give you an example of what I mean by that. Um, inside of 21 Day Miracle, there are 10 core areas that I teach people how to create change in their life. Mindset, money, relationships, fitness, addiction, Uh, uh, um, happiness, right? So those are the core areas. And on my membership site, I've got the downloadable resources that they can do to track their progress in each one of those areas and, and also some video content of me teaching those areas. Now, the person can read the book and get great value out of the book, but most people who want to continue the journey will simply come out of the book and go to my member area so that they can download the resources. Now, it's not like a big tease. It's not like I'm like if you want to finish chapter 8, go to my website. Like there's it, it the story is complete in the book, but there are resources that are not available in the book because they're like PDFs and printable worksheets and stuff like that that I have offline. And what ends up happening is a lot of people go there right away when they buy the book, and a lot of people once they get in the book because the journey's not complete, they're now more interested in going to my website and when they go to my website, of course, They opt in for a free membership site. It's all free. Like, it's not like I charge them for this, this, this stuff. The membership site's free. And then they obviously, as a part of that, become a part of my email list. Next thing you know, they become part of my family. Next thing you know, they come to events. And next thing you know, they're like in my investing in products or like sticking around or they, you know, they're like around forever because they bought the book. And my experience, by the way, is that people who buy books are like some of the best long-term customers because people who buy books are like interested in their growth. You know what I mean? As a business owner you want to work with people who are like moving the ball forward not like sitting around watching you know like like uh, cartoons all day or whatever like you want to work with people who are like hey i want to get better you know And, and i've had some people i had a lady come to one of my events it was such a cool story she's like she goes i decided i was gonna i was gonna change my life i was gonna lose weight i was gonna start thinking straight and start making money and i bought four personal development books Yours was one of them. The other three were awful. I can't even remember which ones they were. And here I am at your event. That was her story. And I was like, it's crazy, right? Like she, she read this book and, and literally developed a relationship with me without me knowing it, like on her own. So at the point that she came to the event, I met her for the first time and she was meeting me for the 10th time, you know? Yeah. And that's the power of a book when you actually do it right. Yeah. She'd already spent seven hours with you, you know, and (laughs) you didn't know who this lady was. We were very Um, close.
0: I know we're (laughs) Coming up on the end here, um, I want to hear about the strategic sprint. You know, that's kind of, that's what you're all about. That's how you wrote the book. That's how you wrote uh, most or all of your books. What is a strategic sprint?
1: Yeah, I mean, it takes people too long to do almost anything. Uh, and the reason why is distraction or procrastination or, uh, you know, you get discouraged because something happens and it like sets you back. And so to put it bluntly, what I like to do is do things in spurts. Um, by the way, I thought that was like... I was led to believe growing up that that was very dysfunctional. You're always, I was always told, you know, slow and steady wins the race. And I was always um, told that they espouse the, um, the, the benefits of consistency. And then I realized like everybody's created differently. You know what I mean? Like there are some people I know, some of my team members who are very good at being very consistent. And you know what? Like I'm thankful for folks like that who are like happy to post on Instagram every day for the rest of their life. If I have to log into Instagram more than once every month, I'm, I'm going to like jump off a bridge or something. You know what I'm saying? Like so like everybody's different when it comes to that. As for me, I like to uh, really what I love to do is learn new things, communicate new things, um and create new things. And so I'm always into kind of something new. Like I'm sort of trying to figure out like what can I what mountain can I conquer? What can I learn? What can I master and then move on to the next thing because I'm just kind of growing and so I like the 21 day model. I like the idea of taking something Focusing on it heavily for a short period of time and accelerating your success. And I've done it with golf. I've done it with reading. I've done it with trying to learn how to type. Uh, I've done it with spiritual topics. I've done it with meditation. I mean, 21 straight days, one hour a day. I've done it with relationships. I've done just about everything where I create a sprint. Now, the key for the sprint is to understand, you know, you're you're not going to like completely change everything in that short period of 21 days, but 21 days is enough to set a new habit in, in in a pattern that you can continue after that and continue to, the, to refine, right? So I'm just a big fan of doing sprints. And I'll tell you, it works for almost everything. This book, it, it did blow your mind. This book, I, I used my model when I wrote this book on day one, on Monday morning of day one, I had an idea. And the idea was 21 Day Miracle. I didn't have an outline. I didn't have any stories written down. I didn't have any resources, a website. On the first day, I started writing, and 21 days later—actually, it was 20 days later—this book was a bestseller in its category. I had, a, I had a membership site built. I had all the videos done. I had all the resources done. I had three separate editors who had who had edited the book. I had two separate layout people who laid out the book. I have to tell you, I didn't do. I had a team that pulled together, and I had a team lead and all that stuff. Like there was a lot of people behind the scenes. But the only reason, like I, don't, you know like for those of you who write books most editors like this is the way editors work this book is about 50,000 words right so i would give them my manuscript we're we're recording this in the fall i would give this my manuscript and they would be like all right i'm going to get this back to you in the spring that's the way yeah. editors work and here's what they do it takes an editor about maybe 4 or 5 days to edit your book okay so what they do is they 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 get your manuscript they don't do anything for 6 months and then 4 days before the deadline they'll do your thing. So what I like to do is give my editor my thing and say, I need this back in five days. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do. Cause I already know how long it's going to take them. You know what I mean? But anyway, yeah. my point is, my point is you can do almost anything in any period of time if you want to. And I like putting it into 21 days. I'm, I'm heading off to write my sixth book here in um, a couple of weeks. And I'm actually going up to the islands of Washington to just disappear. And I've wow. given myself basically eight days to write the book, which I mean, between us, I'll probably be done in like three or four days. Why? Because I'm going to have three or four very focused days where my phone's off. I'm not checking my email. I'm not on social media. I'm focused in on creating the content. And it's amazing what your mind can do when you focus. Most people sit down to write a book. They don't give themselves any runway. They don't give themselves any time to build up steam. And they sit down and after an hour, they're discouraged because good stuff hasn't come out. And I can tell you in my first hour, it's not that great either. But man, let me tell you about hour four, the second day, it's the third day. Oh my gosh, it's amazing what you can create just because you've given yourself that focus. And I like doing that with everything.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. It's, I, it's just incredible. It's an incredible testament to the fact that it works, right? The 20 day, 21 day miracle that you wrote in 21 days. Um, what is the next book? I want to hear a little bit. Actually, before we get there, I did have one quick question. Um, how do you not burn out? You know, burnout is huge right now. Like when you're doing 21 day sprints, any advice for people not to burn out?
1: Yeah. So par- embedded into the 21-day process is the rest. So if you look, for example, everything from teens to tomatoes operates on a sprint and rest principle. Like we have a garden, I'm sitting out looking at it right now and we're going into the winter season. So there's a lot of a lot of dormancy sitting in the garden. And then in the spring, man, those tomatoes will come up. And two weeks later, we've got tomatoes. It's amazing how quickly it'll grow after spending all that time resting. I have kids like my 16-year-old or my 14-year-old boy is like almost as tall as me he'll grow like four inches in like a six months or something, like really fast. And then it'll kind of taper off because the body's sort of like fixing all the nerve networks adjusting. and like bone structure and everything. And then it'll grow again. And so as an entrepreneur, business owner, author, speaker, coach, whatever you are, as you're listening, um, part of that is sprint and rest. So for example, I don't work on the weekends. I don't work, never work on Sunday. Um, rarely do I work at night. Like, I mean, I'm done basically pretty much at five or before every single day. And the truth is, I usually don't even do a five-hour work week. Normally, it's like three or, or or five-day work week. Normally, it's like two and a half to four days or something like that. So I have a lot of embedded rest. Like, for example, this Friday, totally off. Um, I'll spend the entire day basically in thought, prayer, meditation, reading. It's just a recharge day. And I, I built a lot of that into my schedule. And so with the sprint also comes the rest. You can't do sprint all the time. That's why, like, Wall Street traders end up jumping out of windows and stuff, Right. So, but you can't do rest all the time either. You have to do both, right? Balance. A Good sprint and a good rest. And yeah. by the way, everything, look at Olympic athletes, look at anyone like a UFC champion. They'll, they'll work their ass off up until about two weeks before the fight. And then they'll start to go into a little bit of a recharge mode, getting ready for that fight. And I can guarantee you, they're not training hard the week before a fight. They're just, they're just refining some things. Uh, and so it all works like that. As an entrepreneur, you need to build that into your, into your system. Uh, and, and a lot of that has to do with getting off of media. Uh, giving yourself the peace to be able to understand, like, you know, if you don't look at the news for like three weeks, it's going to be okay. Trust me. Like if something really (laughs) big happens, they're going to tell you, you know what I'm saying? Someone's going to tell you like, you know, something big happens, like give yourself the peace to be able to do that. And I've literally seen people like unbrainwash themselves in three weeks because they just stop watching the news. (laughs) You know, it's crazy. Like as quickly as you can be brainwashed by watching the new, and by the way i'm not talking about one i'm talking about all sure. sides yeah you know what i'm saying yeah. like everybody uh, it's just it's just like this this brainwashing that's coming in and um yeah so i just don't I choose not to participate in it. i do my own cleaning of my brain <laughs> no i think <I> mean, it's
0: <laughs> i mean the news is the business of attention right like they're a business themselves and and so they would need your attention so if you just stick on that stuff all day long it's not going to be healthy and this has been super helpful i know we don't have you know you your, your I value every second of your time. So I want to make sure I'm cognizant of that. How can people get more of you?
1: Edrush.com is my home plate. If you go there, you can get on my email list. I send great stuff out when when I'm in the mood and it's really, really good. By the way, the other place to go is edrushbook.com. It's just one URL, edrushbook.com. See, edrush.com is the easiest website to remember. edrushbook.com is the second easiest website to remember. So if you're like on a elliptical right now, you can remember edrushbook. When you go there... You get two things. Number one, you get the lowest price of this book, uh, which I think is still at 99 cents, which is crazy. Uh, And the second thing you get is access to my membership site that I already mentioned is free for you. Uh, So you can download all the resources. Everything is there for you as well. And either one of those steps, my website or Ed Rush book will get you onto my notification list. Sounds good. Ed,
0: this has been, I I wish I could talk to you for 10 hours. Uh, This has been so helpful and useful. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Yeah, dude. Thank you, Alex. It's been an honor. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen in. I know this is just one of the hundred ways you could have spent this time. If it met the goal from the beginning of the episode or didn't, please leave me a review so I can continue to improve the show. Reviews also help us to bring on bigger and bigger authors and entrepreneurs with even better book marketing blueprints to share with us. That's all I have until next time.